This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 38. Today on our show, from radio and Bogart's Concert Club, it's Finn Rock. Everybody forever was worried, you know, Howard Stern's coming into the market, Howard Stern's coming into the market. The idea that I had was, if somebody writes down Howard, and you can claim, you're, you, you would write Lunatic Fringe, you would write EBN, you would write, and that's what you got credit for if somebody wrote it. We had a new guy come in, and he went on at night, so I said, your name is going to be Howard. You may know Finn as a member of WEBN's legendary Dawn Patrol, his time at 96 Rock, or as the guy that manages Bogarts, or perhaps all three. He also worked at 97X, he talks about that. He sat down with Josh and Darren and told all kinds of great stories about his days in radio and managing Bogarts, uh, including tales involving these crazy promotions, uh, the personalities at the radio station, and then celebrities like Sam Kinison, Johnny Rotten, Todd Rundgren, Gary Newman, all kinds of really great, cool stories. Be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode as you can save 20% on your next Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And with that, let's listen to our chat with Finn Rock. We started by talking about the possibility that Bogarts is haunted. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Ghost Hunters guy on my back. I was thinking. We had this guy from Haunted Cincinnati. He's done two. He's the only person so far who's done two episodes. We had him in the very beginning, and then he came back like last week. And he he knows all the spots in Cincy. Yeah. He knows like um, methods of like contacting the other. Oh, he side. does all the yeah all this stuff. Got a buddy Dave Howard, who uh, he's actually the IT guy at LW Dave. Um, but he did a lot of that. They were in fact they were close to getting another TV show because but I think they just saturated the market with those. Yeah. But yeah, they would go and do the EVPs and all of that stuff yeah. and. He was the skeptic of the group, so he would go in, and I did one with him one time in the basement of this one place, and it was freaky. I mean, it was, but I love that shit. I, I mean, I think you're insane to think that there's nothing left of you. There's something else. There's other energy somewhere, <laughs> yeah. and there's somebody else in the universe. Just lights too. out. That's it. Yeah. Is Bogart's haunted? Yeah. Three. There's three ghosts. Let's hear nice. about them. Yeah. What's the story behind that? Um, one is in the uh, backstage area. In fact, we we have footprints from that one. Uh, there we had we had the place was what? getting cleaned. And after it got cleaned, somebody went back and there were like powder footprints. They were like child-sized footprints back there and there was like six of them and they didn't there was no place where they started and no place where they stopped. There was just six little footprints and that was it. So we got there was a so I don't know who has it, but somebody has the picture of it and then <clears throat> the one that's in the balcony do, do they know who this the child's footprint? I don't think you know. The, the building is you know from the 1890s. I don't have any idea. Is it that old? Yeah, there's everything up there is you know the late 1800s, 
And it used to be an old theater, and then they built that subfloor, and then the remodel in '85. So a lot of different things have happened, and we and we leave a ghost light on. I think most theaters yeah, probably do yeah. at night. I was always fascinated. I never knew what that was until I I did a couple of theater shows, and I was like, "You guys forgot to turn this lamp off on the stage," and uh, they're like, "That's the ghost light." The ghost light, yeah. yeah. But the one that, that's in the balcony, I just had an encounter with a month ago. I go up sometimes at the balconies closed, and I'll watch a show. From up there, and like if there's moshing or whatever, I can kind of see from up there where this problem spots are, and then get on the radio and sniper whatever. Gun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trank dart. my sniper eyes, <laughs> and um, I was sitting up there, and I felt like somebody was coming up from security behind me to check and see who I was and what I was doing up there because it's dark. It's people, the guys in the barricade will see you sometimes, and they'll radio and go, "Somebody's in the balcony" or whatever. So I'm sitting there, and got tapped on the shoulder and I turned around and there was nobody there. And that was that was within the last month. And that that happens to people all the time. What there. do you how do you re, how do you react when I, I guess at first it threw me a little bit, but then I kind of know. So if I didn't know anything about it, I would have probably went ran screaming down the stairs. But So the ghost is like a Grade school prankster. Yeah, it is. Yeah. On the shoulder it pulled on away. my ponytail. <laughs> and, uh, oh, ghost. Yeah, silly ghost. But um, no, there's there's two or three that people have seen. Uh, you know, I have people that won't work in the building by themselves. You know, they'll wait till somebody else is there, you know, for that reason. But I, I think every theater has at least a ghost, you know. But th- there's no real history as to who they are or why they're there. Phantom of the Marsh Pit. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, there could be. There, trust me, there's way. I'm sure there's ghosts of many people's dignity uh, left behind. It. Pride. Yeah, yeah, pride and dignity, I think, are two of the three. But uh, no, it's, uh, you know, there's a, the, the history of that building includes all of that. I mean, from the performers to the whatever's left, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. just hanging out. So. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to get our ghost hunter guy and do some little research on the, yeah. the ghost history of Bogart. Somebody a lot of people would be interested in that. Yeah, well, and I'd love to do one of those overnight things and, you know, make it open to the public. But I just think people would just get, I think it would be two, you could only do it with like two or three people that were really into it. Because I think once you get, you know, more than six or eight or ten people, it's never going to be quiet enough. It's never going to, you know, you're never going to get the vibe you need to generate whatever oh, you're I looking for. I did Bobby for. Mackey's with 25 people. Yeah. And it was... Plenty creepy. Yeah. Years ago, we did, uh, at EBN, we did the uh, Halloween broadcast, the morning show down there. And so the night before, do you remember this? We put Bob in there by himself. No. Yeah, we put Bob, the producer, in there by himself <laughs> with a copy of the book. And he broadcast all night. They would go back, we'd go back to him all night, and he'd have to read from the book. Hell's and then, Gate. And then walk out. Yeah, everywhere. He was up the stairs, you know, the you know this and that. And so he would have to read a passage out of the book, which we had already pre-selected and... Uh, but so he was in there, and we wanted to see how long it would take him just a break, being in there, knowing we were coming later for the morning show. But he was in there for six hours with no lights on, no nothing, only a couple of beer neons. And the thing he didn't know was me and our intern, Lotion Boy, at the time, were running around in our socks in the basement, up in the grid, <laughs> and everywhere. So he read the passage about, like, every time a ghost would show up, you would smell roses or whatever. And we had, like, a Renews at Rose air freshener, and we went oh and my threw it out all over the carpet, and then we'd scamper off, and he was losing his shit. By the, end of, by, the, by the time we rolled in, he couldn't have been happier to see people. We had cops posted on both sides of the of the um, 
the building to keep people from messing with him because we were messing with him. <laughs> so we were banging on pipes, and then we'd run up into the grid and from the upstairs and everything. It was it was the oh greatest. my god! And he didn't know. I don't think he. I don't know when he ever found out. Is that broadcast out there somewhere? Oh, this, I mean, this was. Yeah, it's got to be an archive somewhere. Mid nineties, ah, who knows? And if so, it was probably on DAT, so we all know how good the quality <laughs> of that will be. It's probably on an A track somewhere, but I'm sure Bob has it. You know, it's on a cart. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so, they, they stream those old, old shows. Some of those old awesome. things, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know if it would be uh, incriminating more so than uh, just a fun listen to now, but I mean, when I was a kid, like the Dawn Patrol was everything. Yeah. I mean, it was everywhere. It was everything. Everybody listened to it, and every person uh, on the show was their own, like, was a celebrity. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's because everybody on there, what you heard was who they were. There's no, there, nobody on there was pretending to be somebody. You know, I always tell people that Robin Wood and Wildman Walker are the only two people I've ever met on the radio that look like their voice. Yeah, you know, everybody yeah, else yeah. that's not really what I thought you'd look like. Everybody yeah. meet Rob and go, yeah, pretty much. And Wild Man, mm, yeah, pretty much. But outside of that, that's what you got, and that, I think that was the genius. There were no big boss jocks, you know. Jay Gilbert doesn't have a big boss jock voice. You know, closest was probably the Fat Man. You know, he had a real big radio voice. But for the most part, it was just everybody just being themselves. And you'd sit around in the morning and you'd just be busting balls like we would be just sitting around drinking beers, you know, at a bar. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, Gamble and I, that when I, when I, you know, moved to Atlanta and then came back, it was the same kind of thing. It's, I always, and it's so funny because you have hanging up here this T-shirt. I always said I want to generate what's called the WKRP factor. And, that, you know, what is that? I said it's, when you'd watch that show, you felt like everybody was always there. All the jocks were always there, and yeah. everybody oh, yeah, was this yeah. and that. And I said, you know, when somebody would, I, there was no bigger thrill for me listening to the radio if a jock from another day part, which I didn't know what a day part was, would walk in and be on with the one that was on, because I felt like they were just all hanging out, yeah. just like that. And that's, yeah. and I felt like I was part of that. So that's what that's what we used to talk about. I said, look, you got two goals when you're on the air. You got to make the person in the car feel like you're in the car with them or they're in the room with you, and that's it. Once you've made that connection, you're golden. You're solid because. I, I still, I mean, I still see people at the mall, hey, Dolphin, hey, you know, and that's yeah. two people back or whatever, two characters back or right. whatever. But that's great. And, you know, we went out and hosted a bikini contest. We were out in the community doing the things that everybody did. And, and that's why I tell Gamble, I mean, our big thing now with the LW thing is talk about what people are talking about, but talk about it the way they talk about it. Right. You know, it's it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a posture or a... Well, you, you guys know. have both been in this city long enough and... And on the radio long enough that you you kind of have that reputation built in. I mean, it's such a good fit for you to anyway. But going back to, I want, we'll talk about you and Gamble. But the Dawn Patrol, yeah. I got to I got to judge two pregnant bikini contests, yeah. yep. which is <laughs> maybe the craziest thing I've done yeah. uh, as like a local personality. I've never seen anything like that in yeah. my entire life. Not just the concept of it, but that it's 7.30 in the morning yeah. at Country Western Bar at Forest Fair Mall. Yeah. People are hammered Yeah, at 7.30 in the morning. And then there's like, like what was the minimum? You had to be like at least eight months pregnant to be in it? Yeah, so I think seven and a half. 
Yeah. So you were showing and blowing. You know, there were some where we were fairly certain that we were going to be delivering them right there on stage. I, I mean, thought so too. you know, Bob used to, you know, look down and say hi. You know, he's like, you know, he's waving at me, you know, and stuff like that. But I think the best part about that is because back in the day, it was at Hooters and, and um, you know, even before I went to Forest Fair Mall down at JB Finn's. Yeah. So everybody would be outside. It would be packed. There'd be the dudes in their raincoats standing in the front row that had been there since three in the morning. You know, that kind of thing. But the best part was, and I think the most we ever had maybe was about 60 contestants. And it was fun to get up on stage and interact and whatever. And then finally we kind of came up with these other awards. Like you would win $1,000 if you won the whole thing. But then we ended up with, you know, most likely to be back next year. <laughs> most, you know, most likely to give birth before she leaves here. Most likely to finish her entire carton of smokes before she's gone. You know, and that kind of stuff. And those were driven by the real things that we were observing. Right. We were looking around. It's like the girls are just smoking like chimneys in the, in the you know, with their cocktails in the bathroom. Yeah. They would come out and it's like, good Lord. And then, I, but I think wow. the best story ever was Bob was up. Talking to one girl, and she said, and he said, uh, you know, have you, have you ever seen anything like this? And she goes, oh, I've been in this before. He's like, really? Last year? She's like, no, I was the baby. Just because it had been going on for no. you know, 18, what? 20 years. So wow. she was actually, her mom was in it with her, and now she was in it. So it's a beauty. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a legacy. <laughs> yeah, that's that a right of you know, It, it is. It's a legacy. The Waffle House would be jealous of, but it's uh, were they the sponsor? Like, did you have a sponsor for the yeah? It was it years. Was, you know what? Honestly, it was just always kind of a thing that we knew. It was the Friday before Mother's Day. In fact, and, and to be honest with you, we had planned to bring it back and do it at Bogarts and do a night version of it this past year. But with all the Me Too stuff going on and everything else, the the company just said they said not our company, but uh, somebody else's company said, "Nah, it's probably not a good time for that." I'm yeah. working like hell to get it back. Yeah, year. that's that's another thing I want to ask is like how much stuff that you guys did back then could you not get away with now, just because the PC climate, the climate. or the Me Too movement uh, or whatever it is, just stuff that was like people didn't really care about, you know. Uh, well, I think, I mean, growing up here, you knew the station didn't really care about that. You know, the billboards and the TV commercials, there was always an apology commercial already cut, ready to go to apologize for the commercial that you knew <laughs> was already going to push this button or that button. But at the time, it was it was perceived as harmless fun, and you had to have a group like Citizens for Community Values already formed and well-oiled and ready to go after your advertisers and different things like that. Well, now social media, forget it. You yeah, know, it's as 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 useful as it is to propagate memes and this and that. You can destroy somebody within ten seconds if you want to. And so I think, I don't know. You know, putting a picture of a girl in a bikini that says "What a pair!" that with for Bob and Eddie. Would that go over today? It didn't really go over so big then. Uh-huh. People thought it was, you know, kind of funny, blah, 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 blah. I think the biggest one they ever caused an issue, and I can understand that, and it would never go over today, was it was the the girl in the bikini laying on the uh, laying across on the beach. I think it was as you came down 75. There was one on 71 and one on 75, and it said on such and such a day, the top comes off. And then we just cut the top of the billboard off. But unfortunately, where the top of the billboard got cut off, her head was in that part. And so then it was violence against women. Then it was this. And this was back in the 90s. Wow. So that today, you know, it would look like the final scene in Frankenstein and Kenwood if that, you know, the pitchforks and the whole thing. I remember uh, there was a Bill Cunningham billboard, the big one. 
Yeah. That like that was the only one I can remember that you know prior to all the social media stuff yeah. that like it was on the news that was it know, the, big was wand? the big one the big one yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 again you're not getting you're not putting that no out chance there. you know we've got balls they did that one and it was basketball football yeah you know, baseball we did uh, EBN we did um, the morning sickness one with the two guy you know with Bob and Eddie you know up there pregnant that was digitally done and that was that was a playoff of the cover of what magazine i forget where demi moore was probably oh, yeah. on the vanity yeah. fair oh, maybe yeah. yeah so it was a playoff of that and it, it's like like you know as topical as you can be as quickly as you can do it with a billboard yeah. but now you see how many billboards you see you know i i, I had one that i wanted to do <laughs> it was the webn logo drawn out in tampons and it just said webn rocks period and it would just have a big <laughs> rope hanging off the end of the off the end of the billboard. That one, that the one rope got, off the end of the billboard yeah. makes it the funniest. <laughs> That's part. what I mean. It would just be like, "What is that? Oh man!" You know, that one got shot down. Yeah. See, I would have loved to have been in your brainstorm sessions oh, because they're probably like our brainstorm sessions yeah. for t-shirts. Well, it's like anything. It's like the stuff that you see. You should see the stuff you haven't seen, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's just a there's a lot of it. There's, yeah, that's how we are too. Yeah, it's like we figure out where the line is, we cross it, and then go one step back, mm-hmm. and then that's where we usually end up. Yeah, there was one, and I don't think we used it, but I think a uh, Cedar Point <laughs> might have used it, but it was just uh, it was somebody a guy shot from I don't know maybe the belly button to the knees and his pants, and he had just completely pissed himself. And I forget what the tagline was, but the visual did everything it needed to do, and it ended up being used for a roller coaster or something. <laughs> we ended up not. Uh, I like it's too edgy for not the using dog it. Patrol, but <laughs> well, like, we couldn't find any vertical billboards. The beach had wet yourself. Oh, did they? That's it, a good it one. Came from an. Av- I worked for the firm that developed that, oh, okay. and the next year the firm didn't get the business. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, <laughs> just to tell you where wet yourself went. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. So many of these ideas. I mean, we worked with the guys at the creative department for a lot of years, uh, who I think were really good at just a few words getting the whole thing across, or a simple image. So much of the Buskin thing and everything that yeah. they did, yeah, yeah. I thought was just spot on. They would nail it every time, and I just look at it and go, "Damn it!" and I, I, I love it. Somebody will say, you know, how did you think of that? And I and I think, how did you not think of that? Yeah. But then I see something like that. I'm like, damn it, how did I not think of that? Yeah. You know, those those are the ones that drive you nuts. Especially, I'm sure with you guys, it's topical and everything. Yeah. With the shirts and everything, it's got to, you know. I'm amazed at how quickly you turn the idea into a graphic and have it up and post it. Like within, not just the next day, hours that it'll be up and yeah. around. Well, that's what we found out was our niche, you yeah. know, a long time ago when it was just Darren and I as, you know, if you want people talking, yeah. they'll they'll talk as much about how quickly you got it out as whatever it is. Like, look, there's already yeah. a shirt about it. Should yeah. we tweak this? Should we spend three more days designing it? No, get it up. Just do it. Go. Well, I'll never forget. <laughs> Tomorrow we were, morning, it's over. Yeah, we were talking. Well, and that's the other thing. The lifespan on everything is so short that by the yeah. time you do get it, and that's why billboards haven't worked as well, I think, because for radio because you can't get it up fast enough and yeah. it's over by the time it's you know by the time it's done but I we were talking about if that ain't a metaphor yeah your old your old spot down in Dayton I remember looking around on the walls there and one of the, and I've never forgotten this design and it was the guy there was the stormtrooper sitting on the chair with his head in his hands and said I had friends on that Death Star yeah. and that, yeah, yeah. that made me laugh that day and it makes me laugh every time I think about it and I'm not even a Star Wars nerd but yeah, it yeah. just I just looked at that and I thought that's a whole different way to look at 
that yeah, and yeah. everything and everything that I see. And that's why I wanted to take the tour before we did this is just kind of see where, where you're at with all that. I love it. We've come a long way since then. That's for sure. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Some of those first designs. Oh, man. What's so you were, you were in that, uh, that radio time. You know, because everyone knows you as Dolphin or Finn. <laughs> I mean, is that uh, something that, like, you knew at the time, like, I'm going to be known as Finn for the rest of my life or, uh, or Wild Man? Eddie and Robin and and Bob, to an extent, you know, yeah, they got to keep their regular names. And so you just had to pick one? How'd you pick Dolphin? And uh, did you think it would be something? Well, like, I shortened it to Finn so I'd right. never have to explain the Dolphin name again because I went when I went to Atlanta, I'm like, they'll just think I'm Irish. You know, <laughs> which is where I first fully met you. I don't yeah. know if you remember that, but I was at the comedy club there, and yeah. we were at the radio station, and I was like, "I know you yeah. from somewhere." And <laughs> you were, right. and you were like, "I don't. I just moved here from Cincinnati." I was like, "I'm from That's Cincinnati." It. That's it. And then I, and then we had our first conversation there yep. in Atlanta at the radio station, just completely randomly. Yeah. But I remember. I think I went out and maybe hosted the night or something like yeah. that. Did the five minute introduction or whatever, and told some of the jokes that I had written, <laughs> and which is why I'm not doing it anymore. But. Uh, <laughs> No, it was, you know, the Dolphin name. Actually, I was in the sales department. I, I, I started there. I worked at 97X in Oxford back when I was at Miami, uh, 86, 87, and then until I graduated in 88. And that was a great gig because it turned me on to a lot of new music. It got to be part of a legacy you know, station. I don't know if many people remember OXY anymore. You know, we have an OXY shirt. Oh, did, did a blog post about it just I a few to, months uh, ago. I'm gonna have to get one of those. The um, because I don't have any. You know, I, I will show you what I do have though. Uh, I'm sure this is great for the podcast purposes. For hey, we'll take see. a picture of it yeah, and yeah. put it on the uh, blog. Yeah. My first paycheck. Yeah, you can do selective uh, editing on that, but that's my first paycheck in radio ever from 1986. Oh, my God. $18.46, signed by Doug Baylog. Yeah, you bugged Doug Baylog. Yep. There you go. From OX. Well, signed by Linda, actually, his wife. Nice. But that was my first paycheck in radio in 86. And that was, was a six-hour six shift. That's actual <laughs> size, yeah. Actual. <laughs> it's like, I like when you own a golf tournament, like Happy Gilmore, and you get the big one to throw in your trunk. Yeah. But I actually I blew that up and laminated it and sent it to my parents because uh, I went to school to be an architect. And about halfway through my uh, architectural career, I decided I would rather present my project than do it. So I went into communications. Oh, there you go. So, so then my dad said, well, now you officially have the world's most expensive handwriting. So I ended up in communications, did that at OXY, and had a friend at LRS in Louisville at the time uh, who just, I got hooked on radio as a junior, senior in high school. I just It just seemed like something I wanted to do. I walked in and met him. He was doing afternoons, and he was two years older than me. He was, he was 19. You know, he's doing afternoons on the biggest rock station. I'm like, God, this is awesome. I would love to do this. So the OXY thing was fun. Went to Cleveland for a year because that was the home of rock and roll. I figured that's where I wanted to do. I worked door at a nightclub in the flats and said, fuck that. <laughs> and then I came back and started managing Bogarts the first time in 89. Left there after two years and went over to the what was the Power Pig. Do you remember the Power Pig? We have no. a shirt. It was yeah. the, it was the uh, little LMA metal station that that ebn created to flank itself against z-rock out of texas so i started pushing buttons over there on the weekends went into the sales department moved my way through there and then got into promotions and programming and the dolphin but you have the radio voice i don't think i do you see i really don't 
Maybe it's just people who smoke. I don't smoke. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't <laughs> smoke. That's no. the other thing. Not yet. I'm going to start it. And when my daughter turns 18, if you want any weed in the Midwestern, you have to come get it at my house because I'm starting. But no, I don't. I don't smoke. I just because I, I talk too much. I think I probably have nodes, you know, on my uh, vocal cords. But we had a staff golf tournament called the Frog Open that we would do every year after the fireworks. It's just a way for everybody to get together and decompress. And it was sales and programming and. One of our sales guys, Jeff Howe, signed up as his name, and then he signed up the shark, you know, the Greg Norman thing. So I was just being a dick and signed up underneath him as the dolphin because I had seen something on the Discovery Channel about whenever there's shark-infested waters, they bring dolphin in, and they come in, and they poke at their gills and kill them. The dolphin will scare the sharks out. So I thought it was funny, and I forgot about it. So two weeks later, we, we have the tournament, and I'm listening as I'm coming in, and Fingers is like, yeah, today we got the after we get off the air, we got the frog open. It's me and Bird and uh, Biller and Dolphin. And I'm like, what? Because I was supposed to be in his foursome. So I went in and I said, well, what do you do? I thought I was playing with you today in the foursome. He goes, you are. I said, well, who's Dolphin? He goes, you are. I'm like, oh no. And uh, it got stuck. And it stuck to me like glue. It's the dumbest. <laughs> radio name <laughs> and so I shortened it to Finn thinking eh, now I don't have to explain that so then when I came back to do 96 Rock they're going are you going to use the name Dolphin I go no I'm just going to stick with Finn people will know to this day I still run into people that go no way you're the same guy I'm like really really so anyway but um, yeah so that's you know that's where it is and, and to be honest with you I use I keep it now because in Live Nation you got Michael Rapino who runs the whole show you know uh, you got, and then I was on a conference call through a Live Nation thing, and there were six people on the phone, and five were named Michael. Michael. <laughs> which, and I'm like, I don't ever want to accidentally shoot something in email that's cached to me, and type in Michael, and it goes to any one of those five other people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I just stuck with Finn, just so that I knew who the hell somebody was talking to if they were talking to me. So, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know. It is what it is. What it is, but it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 fun. So how what how did the transition happen from sort of behind the scenes into to from where to where to like being on the mic and being like a full blown? Oh well, I was a promotions director at EBN, so fingers will be the first one to tell you didn't take the time to research anything we were doing promotionally so he would just call me in and have me explain it and we got into this rhythm where it was kind of fun i was doing middays so he but he would call me in in the morning and i would explain it and then i would come on after them because remember cat thomas you know there was there was so many other different people through the through the day yeah. jay gilbert fat man um steve cage you know just so many other names that you remember but that's how we built this rapport and so then ultimately when Robin went and left and went to what was the point before the Fox, they you know they brought in uh, you know everybody from Mojo Nixon to Vic Henley to you know whoever to be part of the show, and then ultimately I ended up being in there part of that show because it was easier for me as program director to kind of keep him and them in the loop as to what we were doing and explain it coherently as to what we really wanted to accomplish, and that's that's sort of how that became a thing. And then Eddie and I hosted uh, bikini contests at. Yucatan liquor stand. I mean, every every arca, every that's, that's a shirt I don't think I've seen in here yet. But we the, had one at one did point. You? Yeah, we got a letter because there's still one. Uh, oh, there's really? still one in business, like in Finley or something. Is that right? Tiffin or something. I don't know. Well, there's I guess one what, up north. my point is, I think every reference I've made is to a place that no longer exists. Oh yeah, yeah. So those saw, are all our. I saw your Swallens hats yeah, yeah. out there, and I'm like, yeah, I used to do gigs at Swallens, but it's like, yeah, we did Yucatan <laughs> liquor stand every Thursday night for pff, down in Covey three years. 
every Thursday. And I met more people going out hosting movie premieres and doing that than anything. And that's how I got, you know, Scott Lee, he's always talking about Jim Scott would walk door to door on the West Side and introduce himself. I'd appreciate if you listen. I'd appreciate if you listen and introduce like a politician. And that's how everybody knew him. And that's kind of how I, what I felt like I did. I went out and got amongst and in it and got it on me, you know, to, to meet everybody. So that's, and that's really kind of how it, it, it turned into a thing. And then the 96 Rock thing later kind of fed off of it, but it was sort of a, a place to start over. Yeah. And then, you know. Start over for you, but also, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like that's when you and I reconnected is when you came back in. Yeah. That was an old station with a big legacy that yes. had kind of gone away that you were you were working on bringing back. Yes. Right? Um, it was, uh, back in the day, I think it was 96 Rock and was it WBLZ? I think it was WSKS, 96 Rock, I think it was SKS. And then there was BLZ. And I think Randy Michaels was involved because he always referred to it as... Randy Michaels. He referred to it as sucks and blows, (laughs) SKS and BLZ. But but Fingers was at the old 96 Rock, as was Mike McConnell and, and a host of others over back in the day. So they resurrected that brand and under the new call letters and went with 96 Rock and consequently got a cease and desist on the original logo. So, you know, because it was too similar to the one in Atlanta, which was where I was at 96 Rock Atlanta. So it worked okay. out great. Yeah. So, yeah. So what was that like for you to be charged with basically creating a direct competitor to <laughs> was the, awesome. the station that you had, like, your My whole DNA. Combo? Yeah. It was great because... And I feel like, you know, because the, the, the whole EBN thing came out of the Wood family vision, you know, and Frank Sr.'s vision was certainly one thing. And then Bo, Frank Jr., his vision was a whole other thing with the rock and roll transition. But I think it's the kind of thing that Bo loved. And I, and I ran into him a couple times afterward, and I said, look, dude, you prick my arm. I still bleed green. But that helps me because I know what they're doing. And I knew what it was like to compete against EBN, and I knew the biggest mistakes competitors made because I knew what we did to squash them during that period of time. I said, so we're not going to do those things. And we're going to, at the time, I said, we're just going to be a better EBN than they are. And it's going to be the stuff between the records. I mean, everybody gets the same music. It's what you do in between that makes all the difference. And while we were, while they were, from a corporate standpoint, slowly forgetting all of that, the Sky Frog and the, using the Frog as another. I mean, the Frog is right up there with the Nike swoosh, the Coke bottle, yeah. and so many of these other yeah. icons. I can't see any Frog ever and not go ribbit. Correct. <laughs> exactly. And and that started to just fall by the wayside from a secondary branding. And that was the beautiful thing about that is you could blame everything on the Frog. Yeah. I mean, it ran for office and got right in <laughs> votes. It did. We did all of these things with the Frog, and, and, and he became... The, the scapegoat, even though there was no such thing as, you know, but they, they that, that sort of fell by the wayside. So I'm like, all right, well, we're not going to create like a rock dog, you know, or any of that. We talked about, <laughs> we talked about maybe a mascot or whatever, but I'm like, let's just, let's just see what we can do. Yeah, right. Exactly. Let's just see what we can do with semantics and let's just see what we can do between the records. And, and so that's what we did. And we played a little bit newer music and, and, and some, you know, a little heavier stuff to get started. And that's kind of how you do that with rock. You build from the low end up on the, on the demographics. And so it was fun. And, you know, and, and there were certain just little tongue in cheek. We never mentioned the frog. You know, because that was the biggest mistake everybody always made. It's like, kill the frog, squash the frog, we're going to have a frog throwing contest, da-da-da-da-da. And all you ended up doing then was poking the sleeping bear of people like you guys who grew up listening. You know, like, I don't necessarily listen to them anymore, but 
you. You're not going to. You're not going after the thing I grew up on. And then all of a yeah. sudden, people rallied and right. said, "Why yeah. would you do that? Why would you it stir that icon. up?" Icon. Yeah. Yeah. So. We, you know, like right before the fireworks, you know, we were running liners on 96 Rock. I said, look, we know what you're going to do Sunday. But when you get home from church, we'd appreciate it if you'd listen. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so it was a little bit of kind of a nod that we knew that they were what was happening. But nah, not really so much. Yeah. You know, we did we did stuff like that. And, and that was more fun for me. That's more of a challenge. You know, I'd, I would write imaging for adult contemporary stations or pop stations down in Atlanta just because it was fun to, you know. I just feel like it was funny that a 45-year-old, you know, white guy was writing imaging for a station targeted at 13-year-old girls. I just, but it was a challenge. So that was that was when coming back and doing that against, you know, like like you said, my my radio DNA. It was fun, and I think it's the kind of thing that Bo and those guys would they admired it because it's like, yeah, you're coming in and learn using what you learned against yeah. who taught it to you. And yeah. if anything, it was a wake-up call for them. To it did, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It changed it, it changed the way they do business. Where there are a couple of eras that I've watched at EBN and it was when we went from Mellencamp to Metallica and that was 94, 93, 94. Previous program director was, you know, Springsteen, Mellencamp, Skinner, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the new program director came in and was like, "Nope, Metallica, Pearl Jam, boop, boop, boop. And so that was one shift. And then the other shift came with when we came in and we were playing Atreyu and Avenged Sevenfold and these sorts of things, and, and they still weren't. It was Metallica was as heavy as it got, and then all of a sudden they shifted too. And, and I think both became better radio stations. Now, you could argue better is a relative term based yeah. on the tight nature of playlists and everything else, but it's... Uh, you know, I do think it shifted the whole market. And and 96 Rock just celebrated its 10th anniversary. I think that's the longest anybody's come in, been able to compete at, at any length, you know, and exist, yeah. and coexist. So, right. How'd you deal with, like, the transition from, uh, I'm sure you probably had more freedoms uh, at the beginning with, you know, playlists and stuff like that, to where now, you know, Clear Channel and whatnot, you know, they, they control yeah. everything. You're, you're just the guy that just gets the announcements in and plays the next song. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I think I, I got to watch the the very last white hot flame of the golden age and fun part of it, of radio. Like the, the 97X stuff, we had, a, I guess, what would be called a Rolodex. It was just a card file, and you had categories, and your categories had a card in it, and it had the album name written on it. So if this, let's say it was The Smiths, Louder Than Bombs. And in the A category, there were four songs you could choose from. And in the B category, there were six songs you could choose from. And so when your category came up, you picked the one you wanted to play as long as it hadn't been the exact one played before. So it was guaranteeing you know, that you're running through the album and diversity of the playlist. So then you were pulling, and it was vinyl. I'll tell you, if, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you a funny story about my first live break ever on the air. But of course. It's uh, we're here, man. It's, uh, yeah. But we would go nah, through, nah, and that was the – that was the, how about we do that tomorrow? The uh, the So you, there was diversity in the playlist. Then, you know, we're still playing vinyl. Then stuff moved to CD, and then it tightened up, and then it tightened up again. And now you're starting to see regional or national playlists and different things. And, and it's it's not nearly as experimental as, say, that was. But that station could afford to be that way. These stations have to work off a of mass market appeal and you know, with everybody's attention spans being as, as short as they are anymore you've got to grab somebody for five to seven minutes and hold them for 
you know, whatever reason. So whether it's for the advertiser or for whatever you're promoting. But um, the first ever thing I did on 97X, I went and I was couldn't have been more nervous. It was midnight to 6. And I go in <laughs> and uh, I queue up the record that I'm going to play next is a, you know, 33 I queue it up, and it's a dial pot board, which it's not the slide phase, oh, yeah. it's dials. And I think I think it was. but So I queue it up, and I open the mic to do my first break. The song fades. I start talking. I introduce myself. And as I'm talking, my voice is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. So I hit start on the record. And what I was doing, I wasn't turning the other turntable down. I was turning the microphone down. So the other turntable, where the first record was, pl- started playing the next song. The next song. <laughs> My voice is vanishing. I hit the next record and bail out. I'm like, oh, good God, that's embarrassing. But at least the record's on, and I'm like, I got that out of my system. So you have two songs played? Well, the, no, the first one I got down, and I got the mic off. There was no real introduction of me because my voice just vanished. But the next record's playing, and I'm like, thank God. Well, the guy that was on the air before me comes in and runs in on the turntable and hits the 33-45 button. I was playing on the wrong speed. So the second record is playing at like, the wrong speed. It was, like the playing, yeah, it was supposed to be playing on 45, even though it was a 12-inch, and I didn't know. So I'm like... Damn it! So it was the worst possible first break ever, and I wish I had that somewhere on tape. But uh, that's funny. but it was just that. Those are the way, and that's the place to learn it. You know, twelve oh six in the middle of the night on a Saturday. You know, and uh, but it, it it taught me a lot of lessons about paying attention and everything else. But yeah, but 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 to your point about it, it used to be much more free. You know, in your playlist and and whatnot. Now it's all computer generated. You still have to kind of pick. Yeah, it I general. feel like people like. Radio personalities could kind of be defined by the songs they picked. Of like, you could kind of get a yeah. a vibe for that person because it, their show was the what they right. wanted to play. And I think that's how it started. Even EBN, I think, started that way to some degree. The Jelly Pudding Show, you know, and then Mary Peel, you know, would get in there and she would kind of bring records from home and they would introduce you to stuff. And that's, you know, it really was supposed to be about introducing you to things. It was supposed to be about here's what, you know, here's what we think is cool, so therefore you'll think it's cool. Well, now it's exactly the opposite. With all the research, it's like here's what everybody else is telling us is cool, so this is what we're going to play. And that's not how it, I don't think that's how it's supposed and to work. And next hour, you're going to get the same thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, on, on top 40 stations, I mean, you're hearing their a, ro- their a rotation songs <laughs> yeah. every 70 minutes. So you'll hear a song, and then 70 minutes later, you will hear it again. 70 to 75 minutes. That's crazy. They keep listening to the radio anymore. They only listen for a few minutes in the car. And right. Or well, pucky. Yeah, and that's exactly. Well, I mean, if you worked, you know, in an ad agency, you know, I mean, all the all the different, you know, the time spent listening measurements and this and that. And, you know, and then, well, here's how we're going to break, you know, like the old diaries. Did you ever get one of those diaries? You had to fill out what you listened to and write it in and draw. I've heard of them. Oh, well, that was the old way. the ratings? Yeah, and to, to do the ratings. And you would go in and you would write it down. Well, you'd get somebody that would say it was an EBN fan, and they would just go, this i'm not going to do this all day ebn 6 a.m line 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 (laughs) line arrow and you'd get 18 hours of listening from that person which was all bull but then you could fly to maryland or wherever the arbitron headquarters were and you could go through the diaries and you could dispute certain diaries if you felt like somebody else got credit for something they shouldn't have gotten and this is this is exactly how we did things. We had we were everybody forever was worried. You know, Howard Stern's coming into the market. Howard Stern's coming into the market. Howard Stern's coming into the market. And it's like, well, we're like, all right. So the idea that I had was, if this was still the write down diaries, I'm like, if somebody writes down Howard, and you can claim you're, you you would write Lunatic Fringe, you would write EBN, you would write, and that's what you got credit for if somebody wrote it. 
So we had a new guy come in, and he went on at night. So I said, your name is going to be Howard. <laughs> and so if anybody, if he did come in and somebody wrote Howard, you would at least split the credit. He's like, I don't want to be Howard. I don't want to be Howard. I don't want to be Howard. I said, all right, then, f*** you. You're Julie. So we may, he had a big, gruff voice. He's like, I'll be Julie. So he went on for like the first few shows as Julie. I'm like, Robin. you want to be you want to be Howard? He's like, I'll be Howard. So, and it never came to pass, but that was our way of with yeah. the system a little bit so yeah. then that's that's the way you had to jockey it and play it because it was such a flawed measuring system well now they have the people meter yeah. which is the thing that you put on you know you charge up and the whole family gets one and you can have it for up to I don't even know how long anymore two years and it's like a pager because those are hip and yeah. you walk around with your pager and it's detecting the signals that stations are putting out to read so it's it's really ex- uh, measuring more exposure than it is listening you could be sitting in the doctor's office and warm 98 might be on and you might wait for an hour and it says you you know a 40 year old male Right. Uh, listen to Warm 98 for an hour. <laughs> but you were exposed to it, but you didn't maybe listen. Where do I sign up for that? Uh-huh. Well, I, and you get paid. I've never met anyone that no. has worn, worn one of those. And or... it starts with six-year-olds. They start measuring now at six years old. So what six-year-old, I mean, Still? is running around. Still? 2018? Right. Well, why isn't it on here? Why isn't it on your phone? That should be the place where you are engaging or not engaging, you know. Yeah. With what you do, I mean, this is everybody's personal hub. Why wouldn't it be on there? And I think right. that may be where it's moving. But, but as we talked about, you know, ways to work around it, you know, they come to find out that people would take these pages, and it has to be moving. If you sit it down and it's not moving for ten minutes, it stops reading. And if they get enough where it's not reading, they'll take your family off the panel. Well, in order to stay on the panel and keep getting paid, because everybody has to upload their info at the end of the night. People were doing things like putting it on their ceiling fan <laughs> and letting it run around or putting it on the dog collar. And the dog was moving around the house all day, so it would just kept measuring. So just like, it was just complete nonsense. So there's always a workaround. There's always a way to cheat the system. It's like NASCAR. I mean, it's not illegal till you get caught doing it. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just and, – and to think that our careers – I mean, one or two diaries in a market could change a complete demo and day part. In uh, a rating, it could, it could move you from out of the top five or whatever. And just thinking that that's how our careers were being judged was just mind-numbing. Yeah. So I don't know. So what's what's um, what's on a playlist on your phone that that people who know you from the as the rock guy would you wouldn't want them to know you listen. Well, what's funny, I, um, you know, my daughter is now 16, so she's really into kind of new metal, which is great. Her first show ever was ACDC when she was seven. I took her down to Freedom Hall in Louisville when she was seven years old to see ACDC. 33 years after my dad took me to Freedom Hall to see ACDC for my first show. Wow. So that was awesome. It was the greatest day of my life. But so she's grown up like in rock and metal events, sevenfold vol beat and that sort of thing. So that And that kind of stuff is all still... You know, I still listen to that. But I'll be honest with you, anymore I've gone back to that 97X stuff. You know, the um, the Echo and the Bunnymen, the Smiths, you know, the Bolshoi. Just a bunch of stuff that reminds me of that time. There's a handful of bands, the Struts. Certainly I like, you know, Greta Van Fleet, I think is kind of a cool throwback to the Zeppelin feel. And, and some of that stuff. But the show... That I think, and I guess if if you really knew me, this wouldn't surprise you. But the one that I'm looking forward to, and I don't go to a lot of shows anymore because that's my whole life at Bogarts is, is shows. Gordon Lightfoot, I'm going to see Gordon Lightfoot <laughs> because I made it a point back in the day. I said there are three things that I want to see. I want to see Kiss get back together, which I did at Tiger Stadium. I want to see The Knack, 
I love them. To get the Knack is maybe the, one of the greatest pop rock albums of all time, start to finish. Every song, perfect. They're perfect songs. I saw them at Eden Park. Q102 brought them into Eden Park. And I saw that Bruce Gary was already dead, the drummer, but they came in and played, and it was awesome. And I said, I want to see Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald performed live <laughs> once before one of us dies. And he's, <laughs> and he's coming in. and Because that's the thing. I'm always like where everybody else yells out Freebird. Whenever there's somebody, I always yell, yell out Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> My roommate and I, for whatever reason, just love that song. It's, I, yeah. it's been our inside joke for, I don't yeah. know, 20 years. I remember it being a hit when I was a kid. Cause, yeah. well, we're probably the same age. Yeah. Uh, in the 70s, listening to CKLW. I was in Cleveland, but we picked up CKLW across yeah. the lake. And huge song because, you yeah. know, oh, of course. two Great Lake cities. You jiggle me. They left fully loaded for Cleveland. Yeah. So it was massive when we were kids. Well, I just loved it when I was a kid. It was like, it was, I, I call it a uh, clock rock because it came on my clock, clock radio. And it, it used to scare me. It was like so ominous. The song was like, I, know. You know, yeah. I started listening to it and I would like get under my covers. I'm like, oh my God, all these people died on this boat. Yeah. I think Great Lakes Brewing Company, maybe. I don't know. From when I got married, my buddy, uh, he gave me a bottle of uh, beer. It's the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, they still make it. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it was one of those like, I was in. Um, uh, and to a person, this is what I've been told. I was in uh, Mount Lookout one night at, at, at uh, was it Millions, I guess. There's a guy that used to play guitar there, Captain Mike, I think. They, oh yeah, he would play, and I did this every time I'd see an acoustic guitar player. I'd go up and I'd put a five in their tip jar, and I'd go, "Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald." And to to a person, every one of them would lean in and go, "That's what we play when we want everyone to leave." So that was yeah. like that would be the last song of the night, so everybody would get up and go. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But I yell out all the time. That's so great. Chris Lee, who's a local guitar player, he'll even like he'll like if he's playing at Milford or at Chappies or someplace, he'll go. He'll sit, put a note out, then he'll send me a note. He goes, if you come out, I'll play Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, they just know. That's my thing. But I'm so excited to go to this show. I just hope he makes it till the 27th. Because <laughs> for a period of time, he's only playing like Canada, Nova Scotia, and the West Coast. And then I saw it pop up on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I screen capture. I'm like, I've got to go to this show. So that one that's that one might hilarious. be a surprise. But the knack, I think, is the one everybody thinks I'm kidding. There's I'm no kidding. Bub- bubblegum pop or... No. I hate, <laughs> I hate, I hate all or... that shit. There's, there's, there's some classic... Stuff I didn't, you know, it's funny too because I grew up, you know, listening to the Cars, and you know, I met Gary Newman. He was just at the club, and that was great for me. I mean, and he did a, you know, a kick-ass version of Cars, and then all of his other songs with whatever they are. And <laughs> our friends Electric, but you know what I'm saying? He he was great. He was very very nice. And so getting to meet him, you know, 38 special, all that stuff. I didn't get into like Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and stuff until I got into college and after. I didn't really appreciate that. I didn't have the older brother. He was rolling his joints yeah. in the, you know, in, the, <laughs> in, in in between the two covers of Zeppelin Four. You know, we did whatever once in a while. By the way, the EBN Record Library, you'd pull out a double album and open it up, and seeds would fall out. So <laughs> that did that did that is a real thing. But um, the lead singer for nice Thirty Eight Special, his son was the bartender at the Punchline in Atlanta. Is that right? Ever? Yeah. 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 yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, uh, what's it, what was their big hit? Their their biggest hit? Oh, hold on loosely. They had a yeah. bunch of them. Chain lightning. They had a hold on loosely. Yeah. I think uh, he, caught whatever. Up in you. Caught up in you. He, he yeah. said that my dad wrote that song for my mom. It was like a song that my dad used to play. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's he was great. like, yeah, my dad wrote that song for my mom. Oh, that's like, cool. That's crazy. No, and those, you know, that's great. All that stuff has to come from somewhere. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's 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 always cool to get a little bit of a backstory. There was uh, I forget who. Frank Turner was in at Bogarts the other night, and he said, "This next song, I wrote half of. I wrote the first half of it last time I was here. You know, Co- uh, Coheed and Cambria when they come in, 
you know, Claudio plays the guitar he bought at Mike's Music next door. Wow. He still plays that guitar and talks about it. You know, Eddie Vedder, when he was down at, uh, at U.S. Bank last time, a few years ago, you know, talked about getting his joint bogarted behind bogarts. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's the fun part for me about a lot of this stuff and, you know, some of the stories of the people that I've gotten to meet at, at the club. And that's, and like, I never really liked Motorhead until I met Lemmy. And then I still didn't like him that much, but I really liked him and what his brand and his thing was. Lemmy is God. Yeah, Lemmy, but it's... Um, airheads. But yeah, exactly. But yeah. what's so funny is how he became this, this giant, bigger metal god after he died for people who really didn't even know who he was. So, But there's different things like that that I have attachments to certain bands and certain songs that are probably unnatural because of the experiences I've gotten to have with them. And, and around them. Was there anybody that you got super excited about that disappointed you, or you, or, or changed your mind when you met him, or, um, or, or was there somebody that, uh, you know, that, like, where, have you ever been starstruck at EBN or at Bogarts or anything? Where you're just probably not now. Um, but, I don't know. It was kind of cool to meet David Lee Roth and hang out with him. He's a complete spaz. Yeah. Um, but he was, but he was exactly what you. He was larger yeah. than life right. at his, at, yeah. in his '84. Todd Rundgren uh, was a complete dick. Um, uh, uh, See, that's why I love having him on. He's, he's, he will not hold back. The, uh, I don't know. BB King was very cool. Uh, the Chili Peppers came in on the Mother's Milk tour. They were great. Just really nice guys. Um, I walked back. I will tell you, well, I don't know that I was starstruck, but it did kind of hit me. I walked around the corner of the dressing room back in ninety ninety. And there were the Ramones sitting on the couches. Oh wow! In dressing room in A, and I just kind of like I walked into an invisible wall. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I just like stood there looking at. Them. I'm like, is this a drawing of the Ramones? Is, are these <laughs> yeah. really the Ramones? Like I said, Gary Newman was really cool. Oh, Don Dockin was great when he came in because in the contracts it said uh, in all advertising he is to be referred to as the legendary Don Dockin. So that's how he was referred to in everything that we said everything so we would every time we talked to him about him you know the legendary don Dockin is going to be uh, arriving really? or whatever and his crew knew about it so our crew would be back there going so what time do we can we expect the legendary don Dockin? and they would go the legendary don Dockin will be arriving around three o'clock for the legendary don Dockin's you know sound check so there's just little there's kind of stuff that make, keeps it interesting for us Johnny Rotten was in with PIL, and he was exactly like I thought he would be, so he didn't let me down. I was hoping he'd be the person that I encountered. Yeah, like a Don Rickles. Like he'd, yeah, he, he was, was just like, I would say you if he was super nice. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want him to be nice. But yeah, he was sitting back in this like white painter's jumpsuit, and he was sitting back there. He's like, all right. And he spits on the floor goes, let's do this thing. And he goes upstairs and just killed it. I mean, that's that's who I expected him to be, and he was. Uh, I don't know. It's it's It's... Anymore, though, a lot of the bands will just hang out on their bus, so you don't. I don't have as much interaction this time as I did last time uh, when I was there. But I don't know. I just there's there are some people that are great, and there's some people, you know, and 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 there's a there's kind of a phrase that I, I heard, and I don't know that we use it, but it, it makes sense. It's like every band that comes to Bogarts makes us happy. Someone they get there, and someone they leave. So it's, you know, so that's that's how we keep. That's how we keep. <laughs> that's how we keep our spirits up. Because for us, it's another day. For them, it's their life. You got to keep in mind. I mean, that yeah. dressing room is their life, and, or whatever that experience is. That's the way they're living their life, and it has to suck 
for them. Yeah, they and don't we even gotta, know what town they're in nah, half the time. No, nah, these they they still I think to this day Eddie Money, they put big pieces of tape on his monitors and write the name of the city he's in because he doesn't know where he is 100 percent of the time. Um, and that's a, you know, that's that's. I don't think that's uncommon for most. So, but you're their home for a day, so you really kind of got to keep that in mind. Right. And you know, we're going to go on and do it again the next day for somebody, but that's their home for the day. So we we try to keep that in mind. So, what are some of the most uh, epic shows at Bogarts? Even stuff that you know was before your time. Prince was there, right? Prince was there in '84, and he, I think he had been there once before. Uh, they said, you know, James Brown would come in and hang out, you know, and, and watch shows or whatever. The, the Al, the guy that owns the building, still Bogarts, who I worked for the first time, said that they were. He was doing five of those shows. These were rehearsal shows for the Purple Rain tour, and they called it Red Hot and Blue. And they didn't say it was Prince. He was going to do five of these shows, and. Uh, at different clubs. How do you the, sell tickets to a show where people don't know who they're seeing? It it, it, it kind of gets out. Okay. But this is again back in '84 yeah, before social, social media, media before yeah, cell phones. A, yeah. So these five places or six places where it was supposed to happen were sworn to secrecy. I mean, Al went as far as disconnecting the pay phones, all the phones in the office. It couldn't get out. And then the management took care of going to the radio station that they felt was the one most equipped to do it it was tickets were five bucks it was announced that morning red hot and blue was coming in and there was some reference that people would get who it was and it sold out people were lined up around the block but al told me he goes he said three of the clubs let it out and they got dropped so there were only two or three that got this show and we we were one of them and he said he walked up under the mezzanine and he's standing behind these two women and the one goes look at that fool up there pretending like he's Prince and the other girl goes you dumbass that is Prince <laughs> and so it was just still that I mean people still didn't believe what they were seeing so you know there's cool stuff like that like I said BB King I picked up Bo Diddley at the airport and uh, I was standing there waiting on him and it's clear when he got off the plane which one he was and yeah. I'm like hey sir I'm here so we went down to the baggage claim and picked up his you know there was his guitar and you knew when you opened that thing that there was that box shaped guitar of his that was in there and so I'm carrying it out, and at the time I drove a Toyota Supra that had the hat lift back in the back. So I laid this thing in there like it was the Holy Grail and put his <laughs> stuff in. And he still hadn't said to me, he hadn't said a word to me. I, I very carefully get in there, we get in the car, and we're driving back toward I think he was standing at the Vernon Manor up in Clifton and uh, hadn't said anything, hadn't said anything. And finally he's like looking around, he goes, This is one of them Toyota Supras, ain't it? I'm like, <gasps> Bo Diddley's talking to me. Oh, my God, Bo Diddley's talking to me. Bo Diddley's talking to me. And I'm like, stop talking to yourself and talk back to him. So I said, it is, it is. I said, this is, you know, I've had this car for da 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 He goes, well, my daughter's got one of these cars. I'm like, oh, my God, I have something in common with Bo Diddley. I'm like, oh, we are friends for life now. Da 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 I go, really? He goes, yep, I hate these fucking cars. <laughs> he goes, can't get in them, can't get out of them. And then, he, you know, too old to knees, and then he wouldn't stop talking. So it was just <laughs> like, so funny. Right, I was like, totally. yeah, but it was just funny. And then he wanted me to go find him some movies. And I said, well, there's a blockbuster. He goes, no, movies. I'm like, no, oh, this is Cincinnati, brother. 
good luck. You have a better chance of finding a snow cone in hell than porn. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> so, yeah. Get the, get the jelly donut in yeah, Millville. Right. Exactly, video. right up there on the corner before you head up to <laughs> take the break left on 27. Yeah, the, uh, but he, yeah, Bo Diddley wanted porn. Kennison was in there, and he, he uh, this was three months after he was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Sam Kennison is clean and sober, and he pulls me in the dressing room. The girls are there, and he shuts the door. Billy, his brother, was a TM. He goes, Billy around? I go, no. He goes, we're going to get some Coke. And I'm dumbass. I'm like, I got Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite. <laughs> you know, he goes, no, he He's like, Coke. And I'm like, uh, I, uh, I don't know. And he's like, don't tell Billy. I'm like, okay. And then I think eight months later, he was killed. So, yeah. you know, but he was. He by was a drunk driver. By yeah. a drunk driver, yeah. Out in uh, Arizona or someplace out in Las Vegas. Yeah, California. between Vegas. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, some of those shows were. Uh, yeah, Robert Schimmel came to, uh, to go bananas and I got to MC for him and he was like I want to go to a movie and I was like okay and so it was an actual movie it wasn't one of those movies yeah. <laughs> but afterwards he said uh, they, didn't they open a hustler store downtown and I was like I said yeah he's like can you take me there and I was like yeah <laughs> so we, I drove him down to the hustler store and he came back out with a book that was uh, the, the joy of masturbation yeah and I was just like, oh my gosh, like Robert Schimmel is in my car. I just shook him to the Hustler store. And then he gets on the phone. He's like, you care if I make a call? I'm like, no. And he gets on the phone. He's like, he's like, hey, Stern, I got this book for you. I'll give it to you next week when I see you. And I'm like driving going, wow. He is talking to Howard, Howard Stern yeah. in my car. <laughs> this is the same thing. It was surreal. It was well, that he didn't surreal. get it. Howard wanted that book, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yes. glad he didn't get in with a book called The Pleasures of Mutual Masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you guys end up in the park in Colerain. <laughs> the, uh, that would have been a whole different story. <laughs> that heart attack pamphlet would have had a whole different uh, presentation. Oh, but, yeah, no, but it, the thing is, everybody has proclivities. I mean, everybody's an odd. You have to be somewhat of an oddball to be in the public eye to do stuff i mean there's yeah. stuff you know not one of us can be on the supreme court i feel certain you know but uh, but i'm good with that i don't you know i forget who it was that said anything but i don't think we should have a supreme anything i agree other than taco bell but it's uh, yeah i don't think uh i don't know everybody's kind of messed up i didn't even ask is this pg or r or rated we'll fix it yeah, we'll to, we'll oh, we'll we'll no. yeah i can sorry no 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 okay. like, <laughs> anyway. censor anybody no, okay no, yeah, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Ginny um, Wang. So before we wrap up, let's talk about your new gig with uh, Gamble. Yeah. So I'm sure most people listening know who Tom Gamble is, but uh, you know he's a, a different side of radio royalty here <laughs> from the two angry guys days with yeah. Skinner. How did this? How did this new show on WLW came come to be? And uh, and how would you describe it for people who who haven't heard it yet? Because it's all. Wait, this is only the third. Week this will be the third week of it. Yeah, and uh, it's every Thursday, and it's um, nine to midnight. It's uh, he and I had talked about doing a podcast because we just it's an outlet. I mean, you know, after I after I left the radio station, it's been almost four years now. You know, the first year I was like, ah, oh, it's so nice not to have to. You know this, and then all of a sudden I'm like, God, I have a lot of things that people need to hear. <laughs> I'm just uh, typing's not getting it done, and so I, my dog is probably like, shut up. But you know, it's like I didn't have anybody to tell it to, and so he yeah. and I would just continue to shoot back and forth about just how dumb people are. People are so stupid, and it's one of the things that was the underpinning of our show is 
again, we talked about things people talked about, but we, the way they talk about it, I mean, we would bust balls and we would, you know, kind of the same thing with the Dawn Patrol. Is nothing was sacred. We didn't have to stay on a rail, if you will. We had music to fall back on, but we thought, you know, we started talking about it. Like, you know, we could get on and do this stuff. And his his experience with youth sports and so much of what he does, the Crosstown Showdown and yeah. the different interactions that he's had, my music background, and we both love music too and that's kind of the crossroads we can talk about shared stories with concerts and and sports you you like sports i i do but i will be honest with you every day i'm starting to become more and more disenchanted with professional sports i just i don't like honestly god fantasy football why I played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. I don't need it. I don't need another thing to worry about on the weekend. I see my friends go, I forgot to put so-and-so in. Ah, and I'm like, it's Saturday. Who cares? Or it's Sunday afternoon. Who cares? It's not. You don't yeah. need to worry about that. I want to cheer for a team. Um, well, let's I'm not, not talk yeah. about the teams you cheer for on well, this right. podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Runs with Steelers, but it's cool. But it's um, but it's been that way since 73. I know. It comes naturally to me because I grew up loving that team and it's because i collected beer cans and iron city had those cans with the teams on them that's really where it started and my alcoholism so it, uh, it, uh, but, but no so but I, I don't like sports as much so i count on him to fill me in you know i have opinions about things that i do see and yeah. highlights and things but we we, we just we you really complement each other really well. I, I hope so and that's yeah. what i wanted to be i mean because we have shared experiences we have kids about the same age we have there's a lot of this wheelhouse stuff that i think somebody that's listening to lw is going through yeah. everybody's sick of you know we don't want it to become cliche at oh you know i took a flight and you know oh the food was terrible i mean you deal with that all the time and i'm sure in the stand-up comedy world opening bit uh, uh, <laughs> well we don't want to rip that off from you because we don't want to have to credit you the but you know the traffic we you know the different why they start every road project at the same time right just different things like that why is there traffic at two in the afternoon and and we went through like the last week it was just a great example we started talking through this thing and i said i'll be honest with you i think it used to be you know semis you know you get up 71 in these curves and they can't see around them, so they have to gear down just a little bit and then by the time they gear back up it's that one second you know it slows everything down then that caterpillar effect starts well now add to that anytime somebody's in traffic and they're sitting still, what are they doing? They're on their phone. And once traffic starts moving, it takes them a second or two seconds to look up and figure it out. And I think that's a whole, and so we try to pull things apart and figure out why. It's not necessarily just the what, but it's the why. Why are people so stupid? And why does this happen? And, and without being all negative, I mean, that angry guy's thing was, <laughs> was very much in the name you were sort of pigeonholed into having to be angry ours is just we call it the reality check right because that's what we want it to be we want it to you know just be real talk about real dumb stuff so yeah there's nothing more infuriating to me than unexplicable inexplicable traffic yeah it's my number one pet peeve it's like you're waiting you're like man what's this must be 275 between and then you East get Gate, up there and there's nothing between yeah. Eastgate and up. Sharon Road when yeah. I, used to, I used to work in Dayton mm-hmm. I would leave they let me leave early four thir- I'd get there at 4 o'clock yeah. a solid line of traffic mm-hmm. all no wreck no nothing and once you get I figure maybe it's the bridge but then why isn't it doing it the other right. way because it's the same bridge everybody right, goes because you're in it that's, it's only doing it on your side because yeah. you're on no, that side no but even the same time of day it would be yeah. like it always moves faster going across Loveland and it was a sun is it what what is it mm-hmm. i've never to this day i haven't figured yeah. it out sometimes no. the sun delays i mean people laugh about that when john phillips used to do that he goes yeah. the sun delays or whatever but and mosteller to to 28 yeah. going east it's the same thing <laughs> but you have to wonder why or like my thing is and then this is something this is kind of, maybe it's a schadenfreude thing i don't know but when people slow down to look at a wreck uh, i've always said you know delay. what you know yeah. what 
you want to look at a wreck, go get in one and then stand there and look at it all you want. But leave this poor son of a bitch alone. Yeah. Their day's already bad enough. Don't slow right. down and go, hey, look at that. Whoa. Oh, that's horrible. Look at the sheet over top of that. Ugh. I saw that. It's, it, uh, it's just gross. So 9 to midnight every Thursday. Thursday nights. And can, is it a podcast people can download if they miss the show? In theory. In theory. We're waiting to get it put up at, uh, on the website. We're waiting to have a drop down our own drive. Once we get a drop, when I have a drop you down on LW, drop I can't, I can't wait to. Yeah, there's two things in my career. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my dad passed away, but my mom, if I, well, she wouldn't even know. But if I said I'm actually on WLW and I have a uh, a podcast that you can listen to, she would go, okay, he really is doing something. But the first time they ever really knew I was doing something for a living was when I worked in Mount Adams, and I told him I was in the men's room peeing next to Gary Burbank because they knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. He was on WHAS in Louisville where I grew up, and they're like, you peed next to Gary Burbank? And he, he did a birthday thing like as Earl Pitts for my uncle, and I was the hero of the family. I was the king of the I was the star on the top of the family Christmas yeah, tree. He's the best. But that stuff. So there's little bits and pieces of that. And I love I love the idea of, I mean, 97X, EBN, KLS in Atlanta, 96 Rock Cincinnati and LW. LW. That's, a mean, pretty, that's a pretty that's fun a, radio yeah, resume. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've enjoyed And I appreciate it. All of it. I appreciate the ability to be associated with all of those brands and to have been able to shepherd some of them and just be a pawn in, on some of them as well. And maybe just because of my my age and my time in life, but I felt like, and I say this with the utmost respect, that I didn't I didn't really hear that much about Bogarts for a long time. Mm-hmm. And since you've been back there, it's everywhere. And it's like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I feel like it's more front and center the way it used to, the way I used to remember it. And, and it's got to be like your passion for the history of the place yeah. and, and preserving it and, and creating new memories going forward. So hats off to you. Well, and that was, as I was to say, and then to also have that brand. Because since 1975, there are very few clubs that do what we do that are still around that have been doing it. There was used to be one called Hammerjacks. I don't know if that's around still, but there's a handful of others that do what we do and have done it that long. And, and I told you, Al, who owns the building, he was my direct boss back in 89 and 90. Uh, he still owns a building, and it's an O&O operation with Live Nation. But everything I've done from this facade program to the new floors to the inside to the HVAC, everything, the Marshall amp heads on the bars, the, 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 the bottoms-up drafts, is everything in there, I am doing that because, A, because it's my job. Actually, J, because it's my job, and A, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. So if my daughter decides to, she's going to live in Cincinnati, she can go to that club and go, my dad did that. Yeah, That's, that's what my cool. dad did here. And this for Al's kids, who were little bitty kids, and now they're in their 20s you know, and maybe almost 30. That's their, They still follow Bogarts on social media, and they take what well, his daughter specifically takes a lot of pride, and she used to give him when she'd see bad things about Bogarts in social media. So that's why I'm doing it. It's for the preservation of that room because that room has given so much to me. Yeah. And I always, my goal is to leave everything better than I found it. That's just my simplest goal in life is leave everything better than I found it. And if I can walk away having done that, you know, that's pride. That's what my dad taught me, pride in performance. Yeah. That's it. You take pride in your performance, and nobody can take that away. That's awesome, so, man. Um, so when we wrap up our show here, we ask our guest to give us a word okay. that people who are listening can use as a 20% off coupon that'll be good from now until the next episode comes out. So okay. can you give us a word that uh, will be used as a coupon both uh, online and How much store? redemption are you really seeking? 
<laughs> That's going to have a lot to do with the word. No one uses it. <laughs> it can't be a word that we have to beep out. Because... Oh, no, 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 no. It could be beep. I was going to use onomatopoeia, which would have been perfect for beep. But um, how about Lightfoot? Oh, yeah. Uh, love it. Let's go That's Lightfoot. Great. How about that? that is fantastic. <laughs> one word. Yep, and there's not. It's not going to be confused with anything else. Yeah. When you say Lightfoot, that's you know. So you're on social media as yeah. you. Yeah, Finrock um, on Facebook, and then I think it's linked to my Twitter because I'm too lazy to do both. So whatever <laughs> okay. I put on Facebook goes to Twitter. But if you respond to me on Twitter, I'll never know. But you're a great. You're a great. Like I mean, we're friends, but you're. You have great posts on Facebook. You post a lot of funny stuff and conversational stuff. It's. You know, so if you're listening, don't be sh- don't be afraid to friend him on Facebook. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm and and I don't say this for any other reason. It's just for the fact of it. As I'm at five thousand friends on that page, and I don't think you can have more than five thousand. Oh, so well, they can follow you. You can follow comment. and then put a thing in there, and then if somebody goes away. I can yeah. put you in there, and I want to do that. I want people to. I want to do that. It's, you want to get rid of friends yeah. once a month. You're like yeah. cleaning out my friends list. Yeah. Yeah. Plumps in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I, I do do that. I, I don't know. I do, the, one of the greatest things, and I I don't know if we're running over, and if so, I apologize. But no, one of the no time limit. One of the greatest things I did from a Facebook standpoint was one day I just put up, I lost two friends today. And I just posted that. And for like six hours, people were like, oh, oh, thoughts and prayers. I'm so sorry. Oh, my thoughts and prayers. Oh, do you need anything? Can I make you a meal? I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'll just add two more. Zing. And then it's like six hours later. It was just a dick move. But it was just, that's that's what I love about it, just manipulating it just enough. And people know when I have a graphic of a guy stirring a pot, and I'll put that under something that I'm putting up, whatever, just for fun. I, you know, it is what it is. You're a good follow, man. I can't wait to skip both of these cell phones across the river get rid of all my social media and just and live in a tree in South Carolina but that's not for another probably 10 years if I make it that long so so for the next 10 years everyone listening needs there to you go. Uh, <laughs> check out the calendar for Bogarts yeah. uh, it's it's a great mix too you yeah. know um, I felt like for a long time when I'd look at him like I don't know like the, it was all the same same type of music yeah. for a long time, and now it's a great mix. You're doing comedy there. You've got the Tate's podcast you're doing there. Yeah. Well, and just even that um, the murder mystery one is coming in. That podcast is coming in, and you know Amy Schumer was was there not long ago, and and then the next thing you know she was at the arena or the that's right. one of the big theaters or yeah, that's right. and that's what we get everybody on their way up and on their way down yeah which is awesome it is it's it great really is awesome because yeah. i like i said you know gary newman played for 450 people and it's one of the best shows i've seen all year well darren's got yeah. great stories of people he saw at the southgate house yeah right yeah didn't you right. see the white stripes there or the oh, black right. keys or somebody white stripes yeah. Oh yeah, that was yeah late nineties or whatever. So opening for something. Yes, yeah, so that was all like in the upstairs of the South. Yeah, upstairs. Yeah. But yeah. I'm trying to think of my first show I've seen at at, at Bogarts. I want to say it was garbage. Yeah. So I, I didn't get Cincinnati. Well, let's not so. be judgmental. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think <laughs> Shirley was for me it was that. either yeah. hair and the ocean blue or the Connells. Yeah. When oh, I first yeah. moved here in '93. Yeah. And yeah, I inter- and I interviewed. Both of them inside Bogarts uh, before when they were doing soundcheck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave Schutz of Ocean Blue and uh, Doug McMillan from the McConnells. That's great. My first show when I went in there at 89 as GM, my very first show was Meatloaf. <laughs> wow. That was a good one. You that know what? Uh, 
I always, I never went to shows there. You've never been to a show? No, I have now. <laughs> but growing up, I never went to shows there because I wasn't in college for but a year. And yeah. then I got into the working world and was on the road all the time. But my friend across the street, his dad owned Staggerly's Pony Keg, oh, which yeah. was right down the street. Yeah. And so he'd always give us a handful of quarters to go play games at Jupiter. Jupiter next door, yeah. And I was always see that. I would always see Bogarts. And I'd, I'd recognize some of the names. But I think the first concert I actually went to there was uh, Stephen Lynch, the comedian. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he invited Mitch Hedberg. Me. That's a great show. He was on that show, right? No, this was pre Mitch Hedberg. Uh, wow, wow. Well, it's 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 always uh, diversity is the key to that schedule. Yeah. It really has been. I mean, there'd be weeks where, like I said, we'd have BB King, then John Prine, and then Cameo, and then Cameo. Kennison, <laughs> and then the Indigo Girls. You know, and it's so amazing. that would that would be one week. Do yeah. you have anything with booking it? With who? With booking, booking the oh, shows. Booking. I thought you said boogie net. I'm yeah, like, I don't know them. <laughs> uh, booking. Uh, no, you're, uh, you're going to. We have yeah, a yeah. we have a booker uh, who works out of the Louisville office who books <laughs> us and the Palace Theater and the Mercury Ballroom, and then I got a junior buyer in our office who puts some things in there. So, you know, I I will make my suggestions with regard to diversification and not overloading too much of one genre in a period of time, but mm-hmm. they do it without me. They really do. They don't need me. They just need me to sell the beers and make sure the building doesn't fall down. So there you go. <laughs> make sure, make so, sure the ghosts are happy. Exactly. Yeah, make yeah. sure I'm available <laughs> that, for the ghosts. Light on. Yeah. So <laughs> well I feel like we just got started with all the cool stories you have, so you're gonna have to come back and Absolutely. do a uh, round two on this. But we'd certainly appreciate you you being here. Like I said, check out Bogart's listen to Finn and Gamble do is that the name of your show? It's or? The Reality Check with Gamble and Finn. All right. So The Reality Check, and that's on 700 uh, WLW, Thursday nights, 9 to midnight. Uh, hopefully the podcast will be up soon so you can go back and listen, because you guys are both fantastic. No, I appreciate it. Um, and they, even if they don't put it on the website, I, I, I will get a copy of it and post it on my Facebook page. There Finn, you go. Finn Rock. Yep. So, so find Finn on Facebook. So thanks for being here, oh, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Now and, I get to go uh, shopping. And Lightfoot, that's the code Lightfoot. until the next episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. There you go. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down the big lake they call Gitchagumi The lake it is said never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy With a load of iron ore 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty that good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. Finn Rock couldn't decide on a playout song. I had it down between Rock and Roll Radio by the Ramones, who we talked about, but then I thought uh, I can probably play that some other time for another guest. When will I ever get the chance to play the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald as the playout song for a guest? So. Uh, as always, if you haven't done so already, please go back and cherry-pick the rest of the Cincy Shirts archives, uh, Cincy Shirts podcast archives, excuse me. We've had Frank Marzullo on, uh, Duke Sinatra, Randy Rico, also off of weather. Um, let me see, Mo Egger, Cash Wright, uh, Mike Mathis off of sports. Johnny Bench was also on the program. And uh, just all kinds of people, just go back and listen to them all. I mean, you'll have a great time, I assure you. And uh, Haunted Cincinnati, by the way, a very popular episode, probably the most popular. And that guy's been on twice. And both episodes are just killing it, along with the band in Cincinnati. And he, that guy's not even a celebrity, our friend Ronnie Salerno, but talking about a man in places, and uh, people love it. So 
Be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area and they may they've moved away or they maybe went to college here and now they're you know, uh, somewhere else or vice versa. Uh, we also have listeners in Sweden and the UK, if you can believe that, along with Albania and India and the United Kingdom. It's crazy. So uh, thanks so much for listening and making the podcast such a huge success. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their shirts. Uh, their, well, I don't know if they have shirts or not. They should. You can find their music on iTunes, I know that, and Spotify and Google Play and wherever else you get your music. Find vintage t-shirts from great cities like Philadelphia, Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at oldschoolshirts.com. We have a lot of beer designs in there as well if you're into the beer thing. With uh, It's that time of the year, Oktoberfesty kind of year we are in. Uh, we also have uh, defunct malls, uh, lots and lots of defunct sports teams and leagues, so check all those out. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Lightfoot, of course. And uh, you can use that at both oldschoolshirts.com and cincyshirts.com. Or you can walk into one of our physical stores, Cincy Shirts that is, and over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland, and say Lightfoot, and get 20% off your order. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Cincy.